2: to know the name, know the genius in you, where in a single moment you can recognize your brilliance and change your life. Now, this is a transformational hour that covers an array of topics that demonstrate how individuals use their native talents, of course, as shown in their name, to look at the ordinary in extraordinary ways. Now, I tell you every week that Albert Einstein once said that everybody's a genius. But why would one of the smartest people on the planet declare that everyone is a genius unless he knew that to be true? I'm your host, Sharon Lynn Wyeth, creator of Namology Science and author of Know the Name, Know the Person. And in each weekly show, you get to hear the fascinating ways that other people have discovered their own inner genius and what they were able to accomplish. At the end of tonight's show, you're going to hear clues on how you can recognize your inside genius. So how does someone express their creative talents and how does someone share those gifts with others so that everybody benefits? Our expert tonight is Dot Campbell. She's the author of an exceptional book called You're Not the Boss of Me. Take control of your subconscious mind. The book demystifies the subconscious mind process and identifies the methods that brought success to her students and clients on a physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual basis. Dot dedicated over 30 years creating and teaching easy-to-learn techniques to use the subconscious mind's positive benefits. And she's going to share a lot of those with us tonight. Now her background as a corporate executive in several industries, along with her master's in education and doctorate in metaphysics, provides a wealth of business and personal knowledge and experiences that she joyfully passes on to others. Her unusual combination of a logical life experience and many certifications in energy work, Reiki, hypnosis, dowsing, intuitive coaching, etc., gives her the ability to identify the healing and learning processes appropriate for each individual that produces the most personal and positive outcomes. So here we have another person on this wonderful show that's using both the left brain and the right brain and all those capabilities and able to enhance the people that come across her and help them heal and then really magnify their own skills. Now, Dot says that she believes that we all have the power to create the life of balance, love and peace. We just have to learn how to access that power. And that's what she's going to help us with tonight. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show, Dot.
3: I'm so excited to be here, Sharon. I just love this. Thank you so much for this opportunity.
2: Ah, my pleasure. We're going to get right into it because I love your topic. So first of all, how did you get interested in how the subconscious mind works and processes things?
3: Well, you know, it started at a very young age, because when I was in fourth grade, I was labeled as slow. So that kind of made me uncomfortable that I got that label. And um, I just didn't want to hang with that label. And so I figured out ways to study and learn and go forward with my information. And I noticed that My cousins that were in the same school environment, we grew up together, had the same ethnic background and everything, were kind of like brilliant. And I was this slow person and I couldn't figure out what the difference was. And I started watching them and what was going on. And the only thing I could figure out was how they felt about themselves, whether they thought they could do something or couldn't do something. And so I began thinking, well, you know, maybe if I can just talk to myself differently, I can get this done. So that's what I started to do. So I became the more they told me I couldn't do things, the more I did them. Uh, In my father's words, I was just stubborn and just kept going forward. And in my mid 40s, I got diagnosed as dyslexic. But when I was in grade school, that word was not it didn't exist.
2: And did you know that dyslexic children are always smarter than their average child?
3: Well, you know, I figured out later on that um, a lot of the things that I did before I realized I was dyslexic were very creative. Because dyslexic people figure out ways to get things done so that other people don't realize they're having difficulty. So we become very creative about we how we do things. Like I was a sewing instructor and I did a lot of sewing for weddings and everything. It's because I could work backwards. I could see what the finished product was and then go back to the beginning to make it.
2: I love sewing. So you're talking to a quilter here who yes. used to make all of her own clothes. I totally get that. Yes. you know. And that's something that can develop with practice. And then there's a lot of creativity involved with fabrics. But what really interests me is when did you discover that not only was it the self-talk but that the subconscious can be spoken with and utilized differently than the conscious
3: well I think that kind of came about because I was an only child. I spent a lot of time alone and I was the only person I was talking to. So I kind of was encouraging myself and going along. And then when I got into my teen years, I started to think, well, how is this really working? Um, I didn't know what part of me was helping me. I just knew it was there. So even when I got diagnosed as dyslexic, I still kept doing what I was doing because it was working. So I realized that okay, somebody else telling me I can't do something is not really the process. It's about me. What am I telling me?
2: Well, and that self-talk is so important, and we see that a lot as educators in the classroom, and also the programming. I'm always astounded at the college classes. My very first day, I would say, how many of you think you're bad at math? And of course, they're in the catch-up class, so every hand should go up, but if Almost all will go up. And then I'll say, thank you for being honest, those of you that raised your hands. And then I'll say, so my question to you is, who told you you were not good at math and why did you believe them?
3: Exactly. Exactly.
2: And then it's like, give me one night just tonight to show you that you can learn math and it's not hard. And that's how I would start that college class every time. So that's what you're doing then. You're reprogramming your thoughts or your brains or the messages that you're sending
3: Exactly, exactly. Uh, The first thing I found that um, with my clients and students, the first thing I do is teach them how the subconscious mind processes. Everybody knows we have one. If you ask anybody, yeah, yeah, I have a subconscious mind. Well, what do you do with it? They can't answer you because nobody ever teaches us how it actually processes. So I have broken it down to very basic formulas and in my book it's just a flow chart that you see exactly how it processes so that you can take control of that process and all of my students and clients after I explain it to them the first thing they say to me is why did no one ever tell me this it would yeah. have made so much sense I think that's very valuable that we should
2: learn how the brain functions like dr jane alexander has written a lot of books on how does the brain function yes. um, and then and part of that would be how does the subconscious function versus the conscious right. so so which do you think is stronger in our heads who's giving us the more powerful messages the subconscious or the conscious
3: well the subconscious does a lot more processing than the conscious mind does it is running 24/7 it never stops and it, it never makes a judgment on you. It, whatever you accept into your subconscious mind, it thinks is true. So that's the program that it runs because it believes you and everything that you tell it. So anything you internalize, the subconscious mind puts in its little folder. It is the biggest computer. You could never build one the way the subconscious mind is. So it puts it in the database. And the next time you get into a similar situation, it's just going to bring that same information up like on autopilot. So when you keep doing the same things over and over again, people go, "Why do I keep doing that?" Well, it's because you're not taking control of that process. You're just allowing it to go on autopilot. So all that processing that's done in there, it's running all of the time. The conscious part of us has to make a decision, "Wait a minute. I'm going to take control." And as soon as you do that, then you're into the subconscious mind and you can create anything. You can control pain, relieve stress, achieve goals, increase self-esteem. I mean, there are a ton of things that your subconscious mind can help you do because it's a part of everything you process every single day. So from
2: what you've said, if the subconscious mind is taking in anything it hears and it's just taking it in without a filter, that means people who are sleeping with their television sets are on are taking in without filter everything that's being said in any of those programs.
3: Oh, one of the first things that I preach to everyone is please do not go to bed as soon as you listen to the news. You're gonna wake up in the morning so exhausted because the subconscious mind keeps repeating the last thing you processed at night. It, it goes into this loop and just keeps going through and processing it. So you wake up exhausted in the morning because of all the discomfort that you saw on the news. So if you have to watch the news, either put on a relaxation t- tape, watch a funny movie, um, read a good book, do meditations, something that will put you in a better frame of mind so that when you wake up in the morning, It's different. You're feeling like, yes, I want to experience this day, not, oh, my goodness, it's another day I have to face.
2: So that sounds to me like it'd be a really good time to say your affirmations be right before you go to bed.
3: Exactly. Exactly. I have uh, people doing I have a number of exercises in the book that people can do that are very, very simple to do to release everything that happened during the day and then do your affirmations. Or if you write in a journal You can write the things that were uncomfortable, but the last things you need to write are all the good things that happened that day. Even if a lot of people have gratitude journals, that's the time to put all that good stuff down and what a good life you have and how blessed you are. Because then the subconscious mind processes that and goes, oh, this is really good. And you wake up in such a better mood in the morning and able to face The world.
2: We need to take a break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and xzone broadcast network and on the website, knowthename.com. Now, after the break, we're going to find out how Dot suggests people handle their challenges. Stay tuned. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you are listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Now, our guest tonight is Dot Campbell, whose website is her name, D-O-T, Campbell, just like the soup, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L.com. So, Dot, this is the part before I get into um, how you handle challenges or, or ask people to do that. This is the part where we interpret your name. Are you ready? I am. I'm excited. Okay, so I was kind of cracking up when you were saying earlier that, you know, you were going on your own way and not really letting what other people told you kind of sink in. And that's because in your name, you have what I call the rebellious spirit, is that you don't want to be told what to do. You can be asked, and then you like to be useful, so, you know, it goes on your list to do But then you're going to take your own time to get it done because you're working off the top of your list as you're going down to the bottom. And if somebody nags you, you take that item out of wherever it was as it worked its way up to the top and you put it back on the bottom. And you go, oh, well, they nagged me. That'll show them don't do that. Uh (laughs) what, What people don't realize is if they just thank you for having done it as if it was already done. Then the minute they're out of the room, you'd be going, ah, I need to get that done right away because they already think it's done, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and so that's how to do that. But I love the fact that you're after the truth. You know, you are a truth seeker in your name. You have a skills where you can stand up for yourself, that you can confront people when something's not right. And at the same time, you can do it in a highly likable way so that you can get along with any group that you want to. And the real key is, do you want to? What's interesting in your name is you've got this rebellious spirit, but it also says you're learning how not to let other people be in charge of you. Okay, so that's one of the challenges that you came in to do. And your name also implies that you have really good writing skills or you could learn really good writing skills. And I think that's wonderful because you've written a book. So what compelled you to write a book about taking control of your subconscious mind?
3: Well, I think the biggest part was my students and clients were following the instructions I was giving them and getting such success and and making their lives so better for themselves and kind of creating their own reality that I decided, well, I needed to get it out to more people. Because there's only me and, you know, there's loads of people out there that need to know this. And so that's why I wrote it. And also my clients and students kept asking me, can we have this all in one place? We have all these little pieces of paper everywhere. Can we do it all in one? So I wrote the book and the book is a very, very basic down to earth kind of tongue in cheek, fun, easy read book that just teaches you how the subconscious mind processes and how you can take control of it and how easily you can turn your life into what you want it to be by taking that control. Well, and I
2: love the title, you know, You're Not the Boss of Me. When I first saw that title, before I met you and and got to know a little bit more about you, When I saw that title, I thought it was like, you're not the boss of me, like you're telling that to everybody around that you're going to make your own decisions. And then I realized, oh, yeah, you're not the boss of me. You're really talking to the subconscious mind that you're taking
3: charge. Exactly. Because what happens is you get so programmed. There's so many programs in your subconscious mind from childhood that you just automatically do things and you're not even in control. You know, you say to people, why did you do that? I don't know. Kids will say that all the time. I don't know. They do. They do. (laughs) Why do you keep doing it? I don't know. So, But if they understood, and that's one of my passions is to to try to get some of this into the schools, especially the elementary schools, so that the children understand that process that's going on inside of them um, so that they can take control of it. Because, you know, we get so many titles as we're growing up. And so many things when we are children get programmed in our subconscious minds that gets buried. And then in adulthood, we're going through pain and anguish and anxiety about things. And it's really something that happened in our childhood that's stuck in our subconscious mind. And if we knew how to go back and do that and reprogram it, all of that goes away. Which is
2: just incredible. So... We said right before the break that you were going to give us some ideas or some suggestions on how people can handle their challenges so that the challenge is not this huge dragon that's facing them, but looks more like a puppy.
3: Okay. I just call it the three A's of reprogramming. And the first one is to, A, to just be aware, become aware of what, your processing of what your subconscious mind is processing okay and the second a is just to acknowledge that there is processing going on that you can control you don't have to just let it happen and the third a is about take the action then take control of the subconscious mind Do the techniques and tools that you have to change that programming. You know, the programming of subconscious mind is because it has heard the same things over and over and over again. So to program the subconscious mind takes repetition. My techniques are very simple. The key to it is repeating them all the time. You know, as a math instructor, you can't learn your multiplication tables in one day. You don't learn how to add and subtract in one day. You don't learn your alphabet in one day. It's a repetition process, and that's what you have to do when you're reprogramming the subconscious mind. So my techniques and tools are things that you do easily but repetitively till the subconscious mind replaces. It's like replacing an old program that's not working on your computer. Why would you let it keep running? You get rid of it, and you put a new one in. And that's exactly what you do when you're reprogramming the subconscious mind.
2: So when you're facing a challenge, in other words, you're saying the very first thing you do is reprogram that subconscious mind?
3: Correct. Yeah. Become aware that it is your subconscious mind doing that. It's just like when you ask a child, I don't know. You become aware. Why? I'm doing something. I'm doing the same process over again, and it's not going to come out good. Let me stop and look at this. Let me take responsibility for changing that process and program it differently. So how would you
2: prepare for future challenges?
3: It's the same thing. Once you learn how to program the subconscious mind and you become aware of that process, it's the same process over and over again. It's, you don't have to relearn it. It's the same process. You're just using it for a different reason. So you
2: emphasize a term that you call self-power. Yes. So how does one go about developing self-power? Okay.
3: Uh, Self-power came to me many, many years ago when I was teaching college classes in the evenings. Um, I started way back in January of 90. And I found that within myself, you have power within yourself. We tend to give our power over to other people. When you can take over your own power and go within your answer, all the answers you need are within yourself. You just have to look for them and focus on them, and they're right there. We're always so busy listening to other people telling us what we should and should not do that we don't look inward to find the answers that are specifically for us. So taking on your own power to look at you and understand who you are and what your passion and purpose is in this life puts you on the path of a lot of more strength and getting out of life what you're really here for.
2: You know, I've always looked at that word should and thinking it doesn't even sound nice when somebody shoulds on somebody else.
3: You know, I have big yellow stickers that I give people that come in that says, don't should on me. And I said, watch how you pronounce it. But that's that's one of the things looking to the past, shoulding and not shoulding are just looking to the past. You can't change that. What we can change is our reaction and response to those past actions.
2: So then you get a different perspective on it if you're looking at it from a different perspective to begin with.
3: Exactly. It's like the word perception. I absolutely love the word perception because perception and facts are not always the same. So what you're looking at and what I'm looking at Is the same thing, but we're perceiving it differently. So when you take over that process and your perception is going to create how you react and respond to every person or situation you find yourself in. So once you have control of that perception through the subconscious mind, then you're in control of how you act and how you respond.
2: Now, you and I, Dot, are going to perceive things a lot more similarly or closely together because we both have the same letters in the name in the same positions that say we can do that. Okay. So people, some people don't have any of those letters in their names, so they can perceive something, but they never know if they really get it right or they're under illusion because they're missing all the letters that would give them that ability. Mm-hmm. How would you help somebody who just doesn't get it.
3: Okay, again, looking at how the subconscious mind processes information, and there's a reprogramming part in there so that their perception can come out better because part of their perception is created through their self-esteem. So it's their conversations with themselves. So again, what you're looking at is their names and how... How they're viewing how that comes out with their name and their, um, the syllables in their name, that's another thing they can take control of. I mean, it's, you know, do I absolutely have to do this or do I have another option here?
2: Well, and some people have a hard time determining what's real and what's not real. In other words, who's telling the truth and who's not. We need to take another break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and XZone Broadcast Network Station and on the website, knowthename.com. Now, this show is dedicated to the conscious and unconscious mind, and we're going to find out more about that once we come back. So stay tuned. back i'm sharon lynn wyeth and you're listening to know the name know the genius in you our guest tonight is dot campbell who can be reached via her website of her same name d-o-t and campbell is just like the soup can campbel com. okay so right before the break dot we were talking about that there are some people i call them when they when their names are devoid of grounding letters but they have a hard time determining who's being truthful and who's not, what is true and what's fake. And so for those people, how would they go about saying whatever they need to to the subconscious mind to help them get clear and fill in the gap when they don't have the discernment that other people
3: have? Okay, that's an amazing question because because your subconscious mind doesn't make a judgment on what's true or false, or what's fantasy and reality. Whatever you tell it is what it's going to accept. So if an individual believes that a lie is the truth, it's going to go into the subconscious mind that way. So until they accept the fact consciously that something is a lie or something is the truth, the subconscious mind is just going to take it in and put it in that file folder as either the truth or a lie.
2: Would there be something you could say to your mind where it could start discerning? Or is that always in the conscious mind?
3: Well, the conscious mind is the judgment part. It's analytical. It's looking at, you know, what is this about? What's happening? So if consciously you accept a fact, it's going to go into the subconscious mind as a fact. Now, if that same fact down the line you decide is not true, you can change it in the subconscious mind. It's not carved in stone. You can reprogram the subconscious mind to say now I no longer want to do it this way. This is the truth and it will change it.
2: Okay? On your website. You have where you can take control of the body, mind and spirit to become one. So first of, first of all I looked at that and I said, so what how or how important are the emotions because it says take control of body, mind, and spirit to become one. So I wanted to know what happens to the emotions and how do you take control of those just to become one?
3: Okay, the your subconscious mind only runs on emotions. That's all it works with is emotions. It doesn't do facts or anything. It's just all in emotions that you're working with. Body, mind, and spirit becoming one is like when I'm dealing with someone, when I have a client or a student I'm working with, I cannot just work with one part of them. I mean, you can work on the physical part of them, but if emotionally that's not balanced, that physical part is still not going to be in balance. It's not going to become one. And the same way spiritually. So if you find that you get balanced between physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, then you have the whole holistic person that you're dealing with. So a lot of times that's why when people have physical ailments, you know, like physically, we can control pain through the subconscious mind. So we're looking at emotionally, mentally taking control of the physical attribute. So when you pull all of those elements together, then you have the whole person.
2: Okay. J.J. Dewey writes in his, you know, he has so many books, but he writes on his website that any thought that we have over and over again starts becoming our belief system. So it's just we can believe anything if we just repeat a thought often enough. And so you do hypnosis. So I was wondering, how does hypnosis play into this? And are there benefits of hypnosis? And are there any dangers in hypnosis that we need to be aware of?
3: Okay. The first statement that you made that you read about is You know, repeating something over and over again becomes a reality to us because that's what the subconscious mind creates. So, hypnosis is an amazing process. Um, There's not really hypnosis, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So, you will be hypnotized on your own. Someone is guiding you through it. When I'm doing hypnosis with someone, I'm guiding them through it. And what's happening is I'm distracting the conscious mind so that I can speak to the subconscious mind, because that's where the programming is done. The difficulty with hypnosis, if somebody doesn't know what they're doing, is that they can make people uncomfortable, okay? You won't do anything under hypnosis that you wouldn't normally do. Uh, Let's see, after a few drinks. (laughs) okay it kind of takes away your inhibitions so you will get people who are normally introverts doing things that an extrovert would do because within their subconscious mind it's something they always wanted to do okay but you can't make anyone harm anyone if it's not part of their process so hypnosis is a very valuable tool and I use it along with Reiki and my other modalities because it's a great relaxation process and again hypnosis is really self-hypnosis and I teach people mostly self-hypnosis and that's part of programming the subconscious mind through self-hypnosis so that then you can process what you truly want to process.
2: Are there any dangers that are attached to being hypnotized or, or using that technique or anything any warnings that you have to be careful not to do?
8: Well,
3: I when I teach hypnosis, I teach a lot of safety for my clients and for my students who are doing hypnosis. And it's mostly about using the word safe and comfortable. And, and so that's where it will go. It will stay safe and comfortable. Um, if I were to, you know, get ill or something happened to me while I'm doing a hypnosis session, the in, my client would just wake up Because with hypnosis, you have to keep the process going. I have to keep talking to you in order to keep you in that state of mind. Because really, hypnosis is an alpha state. It's that state you're in just as you're falling asleep at night.
2: Oh, interesting. So there's four states in the brain. Uh Um, But I thought alpha and beta were the more conscious, and it was theta right before you're going to sleep at night, and then delta while you're sleeping. Uh So. Did you mean theta and said alpha or did you mean alpha?
3: Yeah, no, theta's a little bit above that. It, when you're falling asleep, you're just going into that state where, where the, it's actually when the subconscious mind shuts down. I mean the conscious mind shuts down, I'm sorry. It's when the conscious mind shuts down. And you'll notice sometimes as you start sometimes as you start to fall asleep, you'll kind of jump up because you'll wake up again, your consciousness comes back. So it's just that little wee period in there when your consciousness shuts off.
2: Okay. So the Monroe Institute in Faber, Virginia, teaches that we go to school and able to program and learn and teach in our beta mind. And that we're normally, if we were totally left alone as a kid, would be in our alpha mind.
3: Yeah.
2: So, so that's the mind. Maybe that's why children are so easy to program by their parents.
3: Yes. Definitely, and, and that's why programming in the subconscious mind starts very, very young, and unfortunately, it's mostly negative programming, because all the words you hear as a child are, don't, stop, don't touch that, you can't do that. So you set up a process of n- n- not doing You know, not being able to do that. So negatives become okay then. And that's what happens in the subconscious mind. You have to reprogram that. And we start to turn off children's imaginations too. So when they're at a very young age, so that it becomes part of their process that you can't do this, you can't do that. And children will accept that as they can't do anything instead of they can't do that one thing. Oh, isn't that interesting?
2: And I was reading, too, how important it is not to give a child a coloring book, but just, just, just to give them a plain sheet of paper and give them crayons, because coloring books limited also their imagination, because everything was already drawn.
3: Right. And stay inside the lines, and if you don't go outside. And that's, that's a whole judgment thing, again, that starts getting programmed. Even when they start school, it's like, oh, Johnny's a better finger painter than you are. So all of us you're already setting up the subconscious mind as I'm not good enough.
2: So on an unconscious basis, then we're giving control to our unconscious mind. Yes. Wow, if that's not a mouthful. Okay, so let's say somebody is not very self-assured or self-confident. And they come to you and they say, hey, Dot, I need to become more self-confident. That's what I want to do. Tell us what you would do step-by-step to help that person.
3: Okay, the first thing I would do is explain to them the process in the subconscious mind so that they could see exactly how that is going through and what's creating their feelings and attitude about what's happening. Okay, then we go through and start looking at what parts of them are controlling that. What is making you feel self-conscious? What is making your self-esteem not be there? And I don't do a past life regressions, I do present life regressions. So we go back to somewhere in childhood where that started. Because somewhere along the line, that feeling of either insecurity, a lack, not worthy, I don't feel good about myself... That started someplace. You weren't born with that. We're not born with with anxiety and fear and not liking our bodies and uh, all of these things that, that are stumbling blocks as we get older. We weren't born with those. Those became part of our subconscious mind process as we grew up. Somebody said something to us. So
2: you would get them that first and then you would be able to reword that into a more positive
3: Right. A lot of times, as soon as they find out where it came from, it goes away because now I deal with the source of what happened. I don't deal with the symptoms. We go back and find out where did this start? I love
2: that. We need to take our last break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Now, after the break, we're going to find out what Dot has in her name that has assisted her that you just might have in your name as well. Stay tuned.
6: Christopher Fulton is a survivor of the National Security State. All he wanted to do was preserve history when he acquired a Cartier watch from the estate of President Kennedy's personal secretary. But that simple act set off a terrible chain reaction. He was pursued by the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI, thrust into the middle of the U.S. government's Assassination Records Review Board, even monitored and pursued by the Russian government. All because that Cartier watch was the missing link of evidence, a timepiece worn by JFK that fateful day in Dallas, a link resulting in Christopher being incarcerated and attacked for nine years because he opened a hidden chapter in history. The intriguing journey outlined fully in Christopher Fulton's memoir, The Inheritance, is available now through trindade.com or amazon.com. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination by Christopher and Michelle Fulton is a must-read, an incredible tale of how easily our own government can overrule justice. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination.
2: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Dot Campbell, who's, you can find her on her website at dotcampbell.com. It's exactly how it sounds. That's what it's spelled. Now, she's taken her skills to a level where she's able to help others reprogram their subconscious mind. She's also the author of the book, You're Not the Boss of Me, and you can find that on her website and at Amazon. And when she's talking about you're not the boss of me, she's talking about the subconscious mind, not other people, because she really believes in self-empowerment. Now, right before this last break, she had said something about present life regressions instead of past life regressions. Present life regressions, I've never heard that term before, and it just made me smile, Dot. So it's like going back and finding out where the root is or the basis of something is and yanking it up by the roots so that that negative plant and that negative thought can't grow anymore. And also, I wanted to mention, because you talked about anxiety and where did it start, and that's taught to us, that I have never seen until my last year of teaching so many students that had such anxiety issues, you know, and it, and it took Forever, it felt like before they felt safe enough in the classroom, knowing that we weren't going to pull on them, that they didn't have to answer a question or get surprised, and that we would wait until they were ready. Because they were so anxious that they wouldn't know something, they wouldn't be good enough, you know, that something horrible was going to happen if they accidentally said the wrong answer, you know.
3: Yeah. Yes, yes, and again, that's all programming. I mean, I had so many people, I have people come to me a lot that with public speaking that have difficulty with public speaking and we can always go back and find out where did that start and once we find out where it started we change the attitude and the perspective of the subconscious mind and then they're fine with it
2: that's amazing to me because they say that everybody is afraid of public uh, speaking even more than they're afraid of death
3: well you know why because that's what you've always heard so it's the same thing it's where you put your focus is what becomes bigger and bigger in your life. So if you focus on, yeah, yeah, that's really scary, guess what, it's always gonna be scary because you just told the subconscious mind that public speaking is scary. So it's gonna put it in that database and anytime somebody says public speaking, you start to shake and sweat and it's programmed in there. And once we get to where is that program, what has created that, then we can change the whole focus of why it's there and just change the attitude about it and it's gone i always like to just
2: redefine things like public speaking that means you're speaking not to yourself but you're speaking to somebody else so that you're out in a public area where somebody else can hear you and that public speaking is just how many somebody else's you're speaking to but if you always focus on you're just speaking to this one it's the same thing (laughs)
3: And again, there you go. That's a programming sequence. I mean, you know, I change what's what their subconscious mind thinks public speaking is, and you change their attitude and reaction to it. Right. And it is so interesting to me that how you're
2: describing it just sounds so easy to do.
3: You know what? It is. The whole thing about it is nobody has ever gone into this simple explanation of how it processes. And to know that you can do it on your own. Yes, it needs repetition, but it takes a very short period of time. It's not like, you know, you've programmed all your life for this. Now you're going to have to program another lifetime to change it. That's not the way it works because now you're in control of it. All of this time till you got to that point... Where you have an attitude about something or um, an anxiety about something, you weren't even noticing it was happening. It just became a bigger and bigger and bigger fear because every time it went into your subconscious mind, it grew. But now that you're in control of it, you can make it smaller.
2: So I have a friend who says you have to replace your old thoughts with new thoughts and do it daily for 40 days. And I think she got that out of 40 days and 40 nights or whatever. So I'm wondering, how long does it actually really take?
3: Well, they say it takes at least um, 21 days to create a habit or get rid of a habit. Okay, and To me, the subconscious mind abhors a vacuum. So if you are taking something out of it, unless you replace it with something, it's not gonna work. The first book I ever wrote was called Emotional CPR. And all it is, it's breathing life back into your spirit instead of your body. So the C stands for in your head, just say the word cancel. And then the P and the R are positively replace. So the whole book is about, you know, whether you say something negative or somebody says something negative to you that's uncomfortable, You just in your head say the word cancel and then say a positive statement. And every time that happens, you do it till the subconscious mind gets to the point where when you say the word cancel, it automatically goes to that positive thought. So most of my students and clients just start out with I'm a loving, caring person. So and then the subconscious mind just focuses on that, because if you just say cancel, a lot of people started years ago to just say cancel or stop. Well, that's fine. But the subconscious mind is going to go back to the last thing you were thinking about and start repeating it. So if you say, you know, um, I'm not worthy of having a lot of money, and then you say cancel and don't say anything else, it's going back to I'm not worthy of having a lot of money. So
2: that's that's a wonderful thought that anytime you have a negative thought and you can catch yourself, I always find that when you want to change a habit to let all your friends know, I'm choosing to change this habit, and if my vocabulary is not in alignment with my new choice, would you please point it out to me? So, therefore, you can go back immediately and change it.
3: Right. And that's relying on other people. That's not self-power. That's I'm within myself. I'm controlling what's going on with me. And part of that self-power is to control your thought process, to control that subconscious mind.
2: Well, see, and I think it's a step along the same way, because while you're doing it, you're training you to catch those. And in the meantime, some might slip.
3: (laughs) Yep. yep, yep. And you'll notice they slip because the results are different.
2: Okay, interesting. So if somebody wanted to increase their motivation or their level of productivity, what kind of thoughts would they want to be programming into their head and into their subconscious?
3: Depending on what part of their life they're doing it in, if you're looking at a work circumstance, if you just put a motivational statement or a mantra together that says, I'm a very productive, happy human being each and every day. I am. All the affirmations have to be first person, present tense, like they already exist. So if I'm having difficulty at work or learning something, I have to say, I I now know how to do X, Y, Z. I am very proficient at X, Y, Z. And every time you go to do that task, that's what you say. And it gets to the point where you become very proficient at it.
2: Wouldn't that be fabulous to have all the teachers know that for their students in their classroom? I mean, above my, my chalkboard or my, you know, whatever kind of board that they've given me because they changed over the years. But above that, I always put down, I intend to learn math today. So I thought, as you're looking at the board and I'm writing subconsciously, you're getting that statement. I intend to learn math today.
3: Exactly, exactly, because that's what goes in there, and that's what's going to happen. It's unfortunately our a whole system of schooling. As soon as they get into it, becomes competitive. You know, A, B, C, D. Who got the, this? Who got that? So, depending on the emotional stability and the subconscious processing of that child, they can either be encouraged or be very, not want to do anything anymore. And a lot of times I work with elementary children who things have happened in the classroom or something that they've just stopped trying and the parents can't figure out why. And usually it's just some offhanded remark that somebody said to them that they misinterpreted and went into their subconscious mind and just kept repeating and they just don't think they can do it anymore. Well,
2: have you found that emotional thoughts stick more than mental thoughts or have you found that there's no difference?
3: Uh, Emotions are the pinnacle of the subconscious mind. That's what it works off of. So when I'm working with people and we're reprogramming, we do visualizations we get every emotion and every feeling we can into what they want to happen and how it's going to happen, because the subconscious mind runs on emotions. So the more emotions and feelings you can get in there, the more it's going to bring it back to you the way you want it to be.
2: Thank you so much for coming on board with us here, Dodd, and sharing your wonderful knowledge with us. I'm sure this has given everybody new thoughts to think, and especially new bedtime habits, like right before they go to sleep.
3: Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a joy. Be
2: prepared, surprised, and pleased if you get to experience Dot Campbell's work. Again, her website is her name, Dot, which is just D-O-T, Campbell, just like the soup, dot com. Now, Dot's name excels at being able to write, which you find in the double L. When two L's are together, like in Campbell or in the name Shelley. Anytime the two L's are Billy that are right next to each other, that indicates that somebody has good writing skills. So her book, You're Not the Boss of Me, is a very fast read because of these wonderful writing skills. Now, do you know where your genius lies? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, host of the radio show, Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is heard every weekday at various hours right here on XZBN.net Radio and XZone Broadcast Network. And also, there is a link on knowthename.com. Under knowthename.com, you just go to schedule, you go to the calendar, and every week it has the X-Zone radio show, and you click on it, and it'll take you right in directly to where you can hear this show. So tune in to hear the fascinating ways other people have discovered the genius in themselves is each week, and remember that once you know the name, you know the real person. This is Sharon lin signing off.